today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Let's get into uh, what all families are looking at right now, and that's getting back to school. Some of the school boards in Ontario are going to see students return slowly today and later this week. Uh, many have decided to stagger the uh, the opening of the schools for obvious reasons. Uh, by the way, we attempted to check in with the Thames Valley uh, Board in London, and uh, they have didn't, well, they couldn't do join us today, so we're going to do that section tomorrow and find out what's happening in that school district. Uh, but I do want to bring Manny Figueroa into the conversation. Manny is the director of education for the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board, and we've had a number of discussions about how the Hamilton Board is trying to roll this out in uh, an effort to try to make this as seamless as possible and as easy as possible for teachers, parents, and uh, for their students as well. Uh, Manny, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good to have you with us today on a very busy day. Good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me again. All right. Uh, so, if we've had in past discussions now, this is uh, this is kind of flying blind to a certain extent because we've never dealt with COVID or pandemics. Uh, this is a different scenario. Uh, what are kids going to see? Uh, let's talk about elementary school first. Though. What are they going to see when they do go into the classrooms over the next couple of days? Yeah, Bill. What they're going to see, as you know, we have a staggered, delayed start. So um, today and tomorrow, it's all about focusing our staff transitions because, as you know. Um, we had about almost 20% of parents choose uh, an elementary virtual school, so we had to undergo a sort of massive uh, school reorganization and staffing and to give staff the time to transition as they just found out Friday last week in terms of whether their assignment would be changing. And in addition, what students are going to see and staff when they walk into schools, um, they're going to see a, a big difference. They're going to first see before they can even come into school around having to do the self-screening. So before students can even come in or staff, um, we've all had to fill out um, an attestation that we sign off saying that these are the symptoms of COVID and, and if we will be doing uh, self-screening every day. And, and, and we're going to have to hold everyone accountable to that because that's going to be key. So what will be happening today, if we still haven't received that from some of the parents who've chosen in person, uh, the reach-outs are happening. We know there are parents who will be calling in schools today um, who might need some assistance with that. Then when they do walk in, they're going to see signage everywhere. They're going to see signage around cough etiquette. They're going to be seeing signage around mask wearing, and they're going to be seeing signage around physical distancing. And probably the most important one uh, that we're reminded about with Trump Public Health is around hand washing. So they're going to see hand sanitizer stations and hand sanitizing in each classrooms. And when they see the classrooms, they are going to see desks in row in rows. So you know, typically what we've been promoting and our great educators understand that um, uh, learning and teaching is social. So we, we endorse and support collaborative learning in groups. You're not going to see that. So you are going to see kids in elementary in um, desks approximately one meter apart. Um, any feedback from teachers and, and parents about that? Because that obviously is not according to the standards that we as adults have been adhering to over the last few months. Yeah, you know, we a, a range of emotions, but I think at the end of the day, everyone's holding everyone accountable for the safety measures. We know it's not ideal, um, but we safety has to be number one. And as we work closely with public health, they remind us around the layered approach, right? The layered approach of hand washing being number one, uh, physical distancing number two, and the mask wearing as well. And and you, they'll see students will also see teachers with masks, but also with with, um, you know, visors, uh, shields in front of their faces, too. So that will be new. And this week, to support the transitions, um, 
Thursday and Friday, we'll have our earliest learners, JK students, coming in first to do transitions with families. Uh, first time they'll be in building our school buildings if they haven't been in daycares already. And also students with special needs uh, who um, to transition back and establish those routines. We know every year we look forward to seeing our kids establishing those new routines. But this year, there's a slew of new routines. So we want to make sure that we do it right with our earliest learners and students who, who have special needs who might require that little that, that one-to-one attention to practice those routines before the other students return next week. What about the physical appearance of the school itself when they walk in the front door? You mentioned that there's, obviously there's going to be a screening. I, I assume there's going to be a, a sanitizer there. Uh, but as we found out when we were finally allowed to go back into stores uh, after they shut down, uh, it was a much different environment. There were arrows, you can go this way, uh, even in hallways. You know, stay to the right if you're going that way, stay to the other side if you're going the other way, and don't intermingle. In other words, it was an attempt to, to basically, and even leave lines on the floor that, you know, that, that were supposed to be the, the required distance apart. So that the kids would obviously be aware of the uh, the social distancing. Have you had to go to that extent? Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, so when you when you see the front of the school when you enter, there will be a sign reminding people of, of the self screening, reminding people you have any of these, of these symptoms, don't enter. You will see on the floor uh, decals that show the reminder of of um, uh, physical distancing to to stay apart. So we have gone to that extreme. And what I said last week when we had the media inside one of our schools. I said the difference is maybe in grocery stores to us. Um, we've always socialized our students around walking on the right-hand side of of, um, of the hallway. But one difference you will see, especially um, in our secondary schools, when students return or where they have lockers, we're asking our students not to use their lockers, that they'll be carrying their backpacks with them to class because we know with lockers it's very difficult to keep that distancing. So that will be a new routine, and they'll also see um, – when they go into washrooms, uh, stalls or urinals that will be marked to use or not to use. And uh, we have hydration stations they can continue to use, but if some schools have a combination of the old fountains and hydration stations, the old fountains will be bagged over for people not to use and to continue to use the hydration stations only. So they're going to see that difference in the hallway as well. Let's talk about busing, which, which is a concern, by the way, every year. And if you're a new uh, parent with kids just starting into school, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a traumatic situation for everybody involved. And, and there's a number of reasons why it's always t- difficult, as you and I have talked about in past years, Manny. Uh, sometimes you're not even sure who's going to be available to drive buses. You're not sure if the numbers are going to be there. There's always a reworking of routing, et cetera. Uh, so it, it's, it's a tense situation to begin with. I would imagine COVID has probably made it even more tense. Yeah, we've... You're right. Every year, as you know, uh, Bill, we've been on, I've been on a show about um, our consortium looking for efficiencies. We're always usually around 20 to 25 permanent drivers short, and we have spares filling in. And uh, we were looking at a bell time study last year, which we decided to hold off until September 2021, changing bell time ranges so you know uh, one driver can do more runs and routes and to address the shortfall. Um, but we are concerned, and we'll know more uh, by midweek around um, if there are going to be bus drivers who may not be returning because of COVID-19, because of if, if um, they're immune to compromise. So uh, we know we're, we're, we're going to be getting that information by midweek. But in addition, the board is also then removing students who are eligible students who are taking remote dr- uh, school. So in our elementary, we have about 6,600 students who've chosen remote uh, learning full-time. Now, not all of them are, are transportation students, 
but we'll be removing those students. And uh, we had a survey out last week just asking parents who are choosing in person, who, um, who are choosing not to have transportation. In other words, uh, I want my child to go to school, but I don't want my child to go on a bus, so therefore I'll be taking my own child or finding my own means. So we're removing that data as well because um, we need the data on both ends, how many drivers are returning or not, and how many students who are eligible will be will be requesting uh, transportation. So there'll be further communication uh, by the end of this week because for our board, um, we know that by, by Monday, students in elementary uh, begin to return uh, sort of uh, full-time. Um, group A comes Monday, then Group B comes Tuesday, but then everyone comes Wednesday. So this week will be a critical uh, time for us to um, deal with the transportation and have that data sorted out. There are times in, in both elementary and secondary schools, of course, where students gather in, in large numbers. Uh, elementary school, it's it's recess, uh, you know, the times to, to get out there and get some fresh air, etc. And in high school, I, I guess you'd call the cafeteria time, the lunchtime, uh, where there's always large gatherings. What accommodations have you made for those? Yeah, so for the ministry guidance document was clear. For elementary, as we all know, we're, we're so used to typically school-wide recess breaks where everyone yeah. goes outside at the same time. Well, that can't happen um, now. So we're going to have uh, recess breaks staggered. So, um, you know, schools are working out, you know, either by grade, but most of them by division, you know, kindergartens at grades one to three, four to six and seven, eight. So in smaller groups. So you have more space outside to, uh, to spread out. And in secondary, we're one of those 24 boards who is in that hybrid adaptive model. So um, we're going to be having um, next week, on Mon- uh, this week, Thursday and Friday, everyone go online to their orientation for their four classes. And then Monday and Tuesday, our grade 9s and 10s are going to come in first uh, while the first rotation begins and our 11s and 12s will be online. But then by Wednesday, everyone's going to be coming their cohort day. As in secondary, it'll be half the students in our schools. But our cafeterias, uh, you know, will not be, our cafeterias won't be serving food like we have in the past because of the physical distancing and trying to maintain students in their cohorts as much as possible. So, so that's going to change. And so most students, you know, will either um, bring a lunch. And in certain areas, we know that uh, they'll, they'll, once they finish their morning, they'll be going home for uh, their afternoon classes. Or if they need transportation at the end of the day, we're going to be providing a study hall model. So we'll be gathering the data of how many students actually need to stay because, A, they need Internet access or uh, they can't find transportation the day, and we will provide it at the end of the day. So we're going to be looking at our spaces in schools where they can actually um, have uh, in groups, have a place to learn. But I think what's going to be key here, even as everyone has to you know, wear a mask, is that we're going to try to use as much of, of outdoor space as much as possible uh, because this is going to be a new norm wearing a mask uh, full-time. Um, we toured the schools last week with uh, public health, our public health partners, and McMaster Children's Sick Kids to get some advice as well as we toured uh, the building. Um, and we'll be, have more information coming again this week uh, with public health as well, because as they're, where we found out, so the good news is there will be about 23 public health nurses for the area of Hamilton to help um, both boards, all boards, the four of them, uh, the French as well, deal with any kind of illness or any kind of breakout process um, uh, if it, it occurs in one of our schools. 
I want to get a little deeper into the mental health aspect, and I'm glad to hear about that as far as the COVID and looking for symptoms and things of this nature. Uh, but we've talked about the stress level on, on students, on, on teachers, and certainly on parents, but let's, let's talk about the people in that environment, both the students and teachers. Uh, what accommodations have you made for, for people that are going to, ha- that stress is going to have a, a negative impact on them? I mean, there's a very deep concern, and I think a legitimate concern, about all of these changes and, and the circumstance in which everything is happening now is, is awfully stressful, and there are mental health issues related to that. Yeah, I think the first thing, uh, Bill, I'm glad you raised that. Uh, our our uh, first staff, uh, foremost, we, um, about three, four weeks ago, our Human Resource Department put out a notification to let people know, hey, if there are some accommodations you might need beyond these because uh, you might have might be immune compromised or there's a family situation, please let us know. And we were able to accommodate those people. And because there's full-time remote learning, um, uh, staff could then have that accommodation to teach full-time if they couldn't, um, for serious health reasons, um, not come into the physical space. And that also is another reason why um, we've also transitioned and not said, okay, today's the first day, everyone come back full-time. We know from a, people are anxious, and we have to become give people time to transition into new routines. And it would be unfair to ask our staff who are just finding out on Friday if their assignment has changed or not, Am I in the same grade? Am I in the same school? Or am I going remote to say, well, here you go Friday and be ready for your kids Tuesday? We know we have to give our staff time as well. And also the ministry required those PA day trainings, um, training days last week as well to, to, to give our staff time. In addition, this week, uh, really important that Thursday and Friday we've identified uh, that there are, there are families and students with special needs or uh, mental health issues and challenges and, and anxiety issues that um, having personalized visits on Thursday and Friday, having students come in uh, slowly, meet their teachers, see the new classroom environment, ask questions before everyone comes in on Monday and Tuesday. And that's why we also did that for the JK orientation. We, we, we said if we can, you know, how do, sometimes you have to go slow to go, to go uh, faster, but uh, safety is something we can't compromise. And, uh, you know, we're thankful that the Board of Trustees realized that we need a bit more time and the ministry approved our delayed staggered start because um, there was a lot to accomplish uh, once the ministry made the decision at the end of July. Boards basically have five weeks to execute the plan that was directed. And when about two weeks into it, two weeks before startup, we said uh, we were measuring and monitoring our status and we knew we just needed more time and we weren't willing to compromise safety. Uh, and when you come uh, and understanding that there's mental health concerns and anxiety that people are feeling with that we had to address it. Got about a minute left, but there's one other issue I wanted to ask you about. Based on the previous conversations you and I have had on this program, Manny, and I know that you and the staff have put a lot of work into this to, to try to put this plan together, but I get the sense that this is a malleable plan. As I mean, as you get feedback from teachers and, and families and students and everything else, if there's a shortcoming, you, you want to address it. This is not carved in stone. Yeah, I've been saying to everyone, um, the most important thing I said as a leader at this point in time is uh, knowing your people and relationships. More than never as a leader, uh, connect with people as much as possible. Number two, be agile. We're going to have to be agile, and sometimes that's frustrating for people, but as new information emerges or data emerges, how do we pivot and and make a different decision based on any new information? and number three, listen to your students. There are, there are customers, there are clients. What are you observing? What are you seeing? Hence why we built in our plan that 
um, um, there's October 13th, I think January 4th and March 22nd. That there's three intervals throughout the year that if parents are potentially making a shift and saying, hmm, I thought this would be the best environment for my child, full-time remote, not working, can I transition into that? We say yes, come um, October 13th, we'll make that transition at that time, and we'll also look at transportation at the time. So we created these three intervals throughout the year. Um, you know, um, normally we would just make that transition a day, but there's so many other factors we have to factor in, like uh, cohorting um, and the space in the school. So we, we want to make sure we have the time to build in if there's uh, if there's shifts in any of our cohorts. So the agility is going to be key, and that's why in our plan we, we built in those three intervals. Uh, more to come on this. I guess the best thing we can say to wrap this up is good luck, Manny, uh, and uh, with everybody involved. It's it's a traumatic day. To be. First day of school always is, but, I mean, with all these extras uh, because of COVID, uh, we'll see how this works out. I'm sure we'll talk more about this in the days ahead. Thanks for the time today. Oh, thank you, Bill. We're excited to have our kids back. It's been a long time since having students in our buildings, and, and it is exciting to, to have students. Sure is. So thank you. Sure is. Manny Figueredo, the Director of Education for the Hamilton Board of Education. Uh, and in case you missed it at the beginning of our conversation, uh, we attempted to reach out to the Thames Valley Board in London. Uh, they were unavailable today, but we're going to talk with them tomorrow about their plan and how it's going in the first couple of days of school. Look forward to that conversation. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.